Welcome to the Pop Ninja Podcast, where we reminisce about the pop culture of the 70s, 80s, and beyond. From bell-bottom jeans to parachute pants, from Panama Jack shirts to members-only jackets, from Smurfs and Scooby-Doo to Thundar the Barbarian. If you had a Rubik's Cube, wore a Swatch Watch, was crazy about Max Headroom, or ever wondered who shot JR, then this podcast is where you will feel right at home. Now, jump in the DeLorean time machine and join your hosts, Lisa and Patrick, as they take you on a pop culture adventure through the greatest decades of all time. out there in podcast land this is patrick bennett coming to you from the swamps of south louisiana joining me over zoom from her lair in pennsylvania is my co-host miss lisa everett how's it going lisa good hi patrick this week on the pop ninja podcast we have a very special guest joining us from california mr anthony massey hey anthony how's it going i'm good it's great to be here with you guys patrick and lisa Um, yeah i'm glad you're with us man uh Anthony, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, uh, I own a company called Massey Media, and what we do is we produce all kinds of content, primarily in the horror genre. So I've worked on a lot of horror franchises. Um, I've, I've done a lot of stuff, but my other love is magic. Do you believe in magic in a young girl's heart? How the music can free her whenever it starts and it's magic. So I'm also a professional magician. So like 90% of my time is producer is a producer and 10% is as magician. So those are my two loves. I'm very lucky and fortunate to do what I love in life. And so that's pretty much what I do. That sounds like you have a lot of fun. Well, tell me, since you're, uh, you're in the horror, what's your favorite horror films from the 70s or 80s? Well, Halloween is definitely my favorite horror movie of all time. When I saw it as, a, um, I think I was 10 or 11, uh, it changed my life in ways I didn't know when I saw it <laughs> until I got older. Um, but as I got older and I met a lot of people that love the horror genre, I realized that I'm not the only person in, in the film business that has been really affected uh, and moved by the movie Halloween. It's such a piece of art that it's set the model for modern horror movies and style and all that. And without Halloween, you would not have had all the other 80s, you know, Freddy and, and um, Jason and all. You wouldn't have had any of those characters. Um, so I recognize it for its, its brilliance, but also the, the ball that it set in motion. It's just, it's just lightning in a bottle. Halloween night, a small American town, 15 years ago. Michael? 
I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. <laughs> I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure. sure. Mm, the only reason she babysits is to have him. Halloween. But of course, I, I mean, I'm a huge 80s horror fan. I love, I mean, I grew up in that decade and I would beg my mother to take me to horror movies. And so every Sunday we would get the newspaper and I would bring it inside, go right to the movie section and any movie, any horror movie that was playing, I'd point to it and say, take me, take me to this, you know? So we saw so many movies together. Um, you know, uh, Visiting Hours was one of them. Uh, you see visiting hour, did you see Visiting yeah. Hours in the movie theater? I did. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's yeah. revealing my age. <laughs> well, I mean, well, it came out in 1982, seeing that I saw it last night, seeing that I talked to you yesterday and that you told me to, to watch it. But, but and, and I, I must have got the, the movie confused with something else because I don't know what I thought I had seen, but that wasn't it. So I loved it. So it's it fantastic. A, yeah, yeah. You know, the thing about that movie is, I mean, William Shatner's in it. I mean, come on, you got to see it because William yeah. Shatner's in it. Um, I know. I, I never saw him in a, a horror movie. I know. He, there, he's been in a few. Um, has he? Spiders. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember that there's one where he plays, like, I'm not kidding, like this murderous gigolo. And it, the, the title is escaping me. Um, but I will get back to you on that one. Yeah, it's just, it, it's so funny, that movie. It's, it's a horror movie, but he's so over the top. You know, his acting, he's like, he's just so cheesy sometimes. And in a horror movie, sometimes it doesn't work. But I thought he was really good in Visiting Hours. Oh, I did too. I thought he was great. But, and, it, and, it, and it had more, like there was four people in it that were like the, the, the main people. It was like, two, there was, usually it's like one, uh, one main actor, one main actress. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and this was like, because um, Lee Grant, who played the, the lead, I guess, I don't know if she was the lead, because I kept thinking Linda Pearl was more 
the the lead in that sure but yeah there's like two leads she, and you're it's a good point yeah, yeah there's like yeah. there's a lot going on in that movie and yeah. both women are very much affected by Michael Ironside in it you know he's really pursuing both of them very aggressively and you really don't really know why and it's just so icky and it is and creepy yeah. yeah and he gives me he makes me think of Jack Nicholson like I'm in The Shining what was that movie where his head is the, the scanners. Scanners, yeah. yeah. Oh, scanners, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's in, um, the, I never saw scanners, but I remember seeing Eclipse of Scanners and Terror in the Isles. And I know that Anthony likes Terror in the Isles. So, yes. Because I, I, and I never, great. yeah, and I never have ever talked to anybody else that has ever really even seen that movie. Yeah, but that I was, seen you seen Terror in the Isles? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Because I like, because I, I, it's all these um, mix of all, clips of all these, right. you know, horror movies. And, I, you know, at the end, it tells you every movie that was in that movie. And I, I remember going through the whole list of them and writing them down to see which ones I hadn't seen. And yep. putting them up, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was like clips. A, it was a big commercial, you know, it was like a big commercial for all of, I think, Universal's movies. Um, yeah. And, really and, smart and, move. Yeah. Yeah. Donald Pleasance and Nancy Allen are in it. Yeah. And and kind of like um, I guess they they commentate through it. You know, it's it's like people watching in the theater all these movies, but they're all different movies. You know, so it's but it's all about watching horror movies. So I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, so what, what what was the other ones that you said that you liked? You visiting hours and Halloween and and I know you like yeah. Batman. I mean, like I, every single eight. I mean, like the thing, Psycho Two, um, Silent Night, Deadly Night was another one. Oh, yeah. I mean, that movie was yeah. banned. That movie was banned. Was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. it was the heyday of horror, you know, the, the 80s, and everything was exploding. And you can look back, you can sort of trace back where horror movies are now and go back and usually the origins and the, the, the formulas and all those things come from the 80s and, you know, before as well. But, you know, in the 70s, there was a lot of like religious horror and yeah, like, the, you know, omen. the omen and the exorcist and all of that. And so there was a, there was a, a burgeoning of 
like all kinds of horror in the 80s, where I think it was a little more focused in the, the 70s and even the 60s and earlier. Yeah, I, I like the Amityville horror too. That That's kind of yeah. early 80s too, yeah. Um, American Werewolf in London, like oh. that, like, like who doesn't like the special effects in the in American oh, Werewolf? In I love London that movie. Is, yeah, yeah, it, they're just outstanding, and, and you can and watch like, that scene over and over and just like marvel at it. Even today, I mean, the practical effects were so well done. And imagine back then, like when you really hadn't seen anything like that before, it just had this huge impact. Did you hear that? What was it? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. What happened to them? Well, the police report said they were attacked by an escaped lunatic. Must have been a very powerful man. Jack and I were not attacked by a man. It's an animal. A wolf. Did he say a wolf? Yes, I believe he did. Get a good look at the man who attacked you. Doctor, my memory is fine. It's my sanity I'm beginning to worry about. You've never had bad dreams before? Well, sure, as a kid, but never so real, never so weird. I'm going to look into your eyes. <laughs> Your dead friend, Jack. Hi, David. He told me that I will become a monster in two days. The supernatural, the power of darkness, it's all true. Please believe me. Believe what? That tomorrow night, beneath the full moon, I'll sprout hair and fangs and eat people? You'd be surprised what horrors a man is capable of. Are you all right now? I don't know. I'll let you know the next full moon. I'm a werewolf. You're gonna change. You'll kill people. You'll become... I know. A monster. David, don't lose control! Your control? What control? David, I can help you. No, I'm not safe to be with. You gotta stay away from me. Everybody dies in it. So I'm a huge fan, just today, even, you know, still, I'm a huge fan of practical effects. So the, the computer generated, it's like we've gone off the rails with that in horror movies. It's like, pretty, totally. and, you know, every monster is a computer now. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, that's what we were talking about when we he when Patrick was saying about Alien and how they filmed Alien and yeah. with, the, with the practical effects and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but um. But I, like Carrie, you know, Cujo, Christine, like all the Stephen King, you know, movies. Yeah. Did you like those too? All of them. All yeah. of them. Great stuff. Yeah. There, there was a whole bunch of previews before visiting hours and I watched them all before. I, and I don't know why I thought I saw this movie, but and why I own it, but never remembered it. But um, the entity that I told Patrick, he needs to see that movie because I love that movie. With Barbara Hershey. Yes. Yes. And it's uh, like a based on a true story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and you know, when I was a kid, when I saw that, I mean, that was a head trip. I mean, yep. for like a teenage boy, it was like, what am I watching? Should I be watching this? I mean, yeah. it, 
yeah. it really goes to some really like not dark that's not even the word but just like so bizarre and surreal and crazy places yeah, being so raped by a it. ghost <laughs> yeah it's like that's it, yes i don't know how they even film some of that i i guess i sh we shouldn't even uh, say what's going on because patrick needs to watch it because i i think it's um it has ron silver in it too and he's mm -hmm. in um silent rage I, I liked him as an actor yeah, back then too. yeah and he he's he's a psychiatrist in um the entity and I really like it. It's a, it's a good movie. Um, and, but there was other movies that I, that they previewed that I never heard of any one of them that was before Visiting Hours. And I mean, I've heard of them, but I, I never pre saw the previews for them. And one was Ghost in the Machine and okay. Bad Dreams. Did you ever oh, see yeah. those? Yeah, I saw Bad Dreams. Anime. I don't know about the other one. Um, the Ghost in the Machine has Karen Allen in it from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's like, and it's like a guy, a, a murderer is. Oh, killed. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking. And about. And he's like put it in a, like an MRI machine, and then the 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 um everything blows up, and he, while he's in the machine, and he go he his yeah. soul or something goes into the computer system, and then he's like killing people <laughs> through their microwave ovens, like and, and yes. like, yeah. It's <laughs> My gosh, I have to revisit that one. That's the yeah. one that I, I have to go see that again. I I've never seen it, but just from the previous, I'm like I've. What is that? I, I mean, I, I, but then when they said the title to it, I'm like, I heard the title, but I never saw the preview, if that makes sense. Oh. See, see I was thinking Ghost in the Darkness. So I'm like, you know, like when, when I saw, when I saw the name of it, I'm like, wait a minute, no, this, this isn't um, matching up. Yeah. But yeah, there's so many. So um, why, why is it that you like the horror more so than any movie genre, Anthony? You know, it's funny, like all, a lot of my, the body of the work in that my company produces, it researches horror movies. And so we look at, you know, 25 years to like 50 years of like horror movies. Um, and I've been trying to really put my finger on that and answer it for years. Um, I don't know if I have the answer, but I think I've come down to two things. Um, one, I see them as art. You know, I really do. And when I, when I was talking about American Werewolf in London, it's, I watch that scene and it's not just a horror movie. I look at the beauty and the art and the, the execution is so incredible to me that it's like magnetic, you know? And it's not just that movie. I mean, any horror movie, The Fly and like all these movies, um, Tom Savini's artwork, I'm sorry, well, it is artwork, but Tom Savini's special effects, I think really changed the world when it came to horror movies, at least modern horror they were just doing very magical things. And so, you know, you guys know I'm a magician. I like, I like seeing the illusion and then looking behind it and trying to see like, how did they do that? And so I think for me, I see them as artwork and miraculous achievements, you know, but also they're exhilarating. So they're like roller coasters. Um, everybody loves a comedy, right? It's like, you can watch a comedy and laugh and everything, but horror movies put you through the ringer. You know, you're screaming and yelling and crying and, you know, exhaling when you're relieved. When you're, relieved. Um, you're rooting for people, you're scared. It's like all of those things. So it's like a roller coaster that, that has this artful beauty kind of spin to it. And I think that's really the reason. Those are the reasons why I love them so much. Yeah. yeah, and then you said, um, I had, I know from what you had said when we talked before that about you growing up and working in a, a video store, you said that that maybe yeah. had an impact on, on you too? It did. So when I got out of high school, I grew up in Connecticut and I moved to New Jersey to go to Fairleigh Dickinson University. So my job that I was able to get in between classes was to work at a video store 
in New Jersey and they had a horror section. Now I was already a horror fan because um, you know, when I was little, I have a twin brother, his name is Eric, and we have a friend named Anthony when we were kids. And we used to, whenever they did horror marathons, and they did them a couple times throughout the year, you know, Anthony was like our best friend. We were like the, like the a trio. We were just did everything together. So we had already seen, you know, My Bloody Valentine, and I was telling you that my mother would take us to movies all the time. Uh, but I, had, I hadn't seen a lot of horror movies. I just saw what I had access to. So when I worked at the video store, um, I went through A through Z, took a few movies home every night and watched them. And that's where I got my education in horror because I was able to see movies that, you know, that were cult movies that maybe didn't play in theaters near me or they were just older and I never saw them. So that's where I got my education in horror. And it was like the greatest, you know, month or so, whatever, how long it took me to watch them of my life because my eyes opened and I saw you know, remember the Faces of Death movies? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, never those, saw like, I saw those. Yeah. I would never oh, they were banned. Those. They were banned in a lot of uh, countries and stuff. They were. Yeah. yeah. That was when you were in college? Yeah, I was a freshman in college. And what did you go to college? What were you majoring in in college? I was an English major um, and a communications, like, secondary. You know, it was like I, I majored in... English communicate. I'm sorry, um, that's wrong. Um, <laughs> English writing, that's what it was. Um, wow, but it didn't have, it wasn't film. It's been so long, you guys. Filmmaking, though, I was, you know, and, and, and you, didn't, you didn't take like acting classes or, or get, get into like no, filmmaking. I, I, I actually was the president of our theater club, uh, not the acting club, but uh, the theater club. So I produced some theater plays and things like that so no I had taken acting you know I never wanted to be an actor I mean being a, a magician you kind of are an actor in a way um yeah but I, you know I I've never ever wanted to be an actor in movies and so when I see a great actor they blow me away you know Meryl Streep will just I don't know how they do it I don't know how especially oh my god in horror movies the acting yeah. is so important. I mean, there is no menace, right? Let me think about it. You're filming a movie. It's all fake. It's all an illusion. And so when you're screaming and running and, you know, all of that, you've got to sell it. And, right. and that's another thing in horror movies. Like, I see that. And if it's, it's, a lot of it's bad, right? We've seen bad horror movies. But the great ones, you can't believe the performances that are, you know, like when um, in the movie Scream, I know that's not an 80s movie, but Matthew Lillard playing that character in the kitchen where I mean, it's like Academy Award winning, in my opinion. You watch that scene, you're like, how did he go to such a, a heightened state and hold it there and deliver it with, with re you know, realness? She said everybody dies but us. Everybody dies but us. We gonna carry on and plan the sequel because let's face it, baby, these days, you gotta have a sequel. No! Ah! Too many movies. Now, Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Stop it, Billy, would you, all right? I can't take any more. I'm feeling woozy air. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, so I appreciate acting even more so in the horror genre. I thought that last night when I was watching Visiting Hours, the girl that was like the, the prostitute girl that he picks up and takes her home. Yeah. And, and, and then he starts to torture her, yep. you know, and I looked her up cause I, 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 she looked really familiar. Like I would have seen she's her in something. Some stuff. Yeah. 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 She's, she's like, um, she's in politics now. She's in Canada. 
that that oh. actress yeah oh, so wow, but uh, yeah yeah she, i've seen pictures she's like justin trudeau is um like is a big supporter of hers um but uh yeah she that whole scene where um he flips her over and he takes the knife you know i couldn't i couldn't watch that and yeah. her face looks just so so terrified like like really terrified you know and you know that it's like you wonder how they like you said that and i never thought about that about magic and and horror uh like co combined like that but but you're right because it's not real you know it's a movie you know <laughs> yeah I mean? what happens is they they yell cut and everyone laughs or you know or like you yeah. know it's like yeah, my, how? my college professor how? in, in uh, my college professor of screenwriting in in college was the producer i think of the movie grizzly remember that movie grizzly yeah, from yeah, the yeah, 70s yeah, yeah. i have it i own it oh cool yeah. so so he I, he actually wrote that movie i think he wrote and produced it i think that's what he did and you know he was like when the bear would stand up and you know and of course they it wasn't a real bear they did have shots of a real bear but he's like what happens is they would throw the blood and somebody would scream and then they'd yell cut and everybody would laugh because it's ridiculous. When you think <laughs> about it, it's like silly and, and, you know, but then when it's edited together with all the music, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's an entirely different experience. Different yeah. Anthony, you're talking about video stores, man. The, the memories come rushing back, man. I miss Blockbuster and that so much. Uh, love going, just endless supply of sci-fi and uh, horror movies, B-movies. Yeah. I love just browsing, and that's what I miss about them. I like actually picking up the package and, and turning it and looking and reading and seeing the pictures. You know, you can't do that on, on Netflix and stuff. Yeah. It's just, it, it was just a different experience. But I, I know it like the late 80s and into the 90s, all the uh, full moon videos, Charles Band. Yeah. I love watching all those. And I, I oh, like yeah. how at the end of the video they would have, it was like a little video magazine with the special mm -hmm. effects and interviews with the actors. Oh yeah, I, I missed all that. That was that was a good time. Yeah, you know, it was like a. I think every '80s horror fan that lived through that decade misses that. You know, and the de the death of the video store is such a sad thing when you when you think about it. You know, instant access on Amazon Prime and Netflix and all is great. It's so convenient. You don't have to get off the couch and pop in a DVD. Like it's great. Um, but at the same time, you're right. If there was something about going to the store and and it's just, in the pictures you would flip the box over and like it was you would look for artwork right at least that's what i did i would like yeah. the, the artwork that would be like oh that looks great so you pick it up and then you turn it over and then if you're reading it you're like oh now it sounds great and oh i gotta rent this and like in about 10 seconds you go from zero to like like crazy excited to see this movie and it's hard to do that now um because there's something about the connection of holding it in your hand. In LA, we have a couple video stores still. There's a great um, pop-up video uh, installation called Slashback Video um, that a friend of mine put together uh, with his wife. And it's basically a throwback. You can walk into Slashback Video, you pay like 10 bucks, and you go in and it's, it's not like a functioning video store. It's just, you get to walk around and feel like you're back in a video store and it's horror themed. So you, they, all those boxes are out. And so when I first went to that, I tell you, I almost cried because I was like, oh my God, that feeling came back and you're picking things up. And not only do they have the video, the VHS boxes, they've got all the, the cardboard banners hanging from the ceiling. So it's like Friday 13 part seven. And you've got the, all the stuff, all the bells and whistles and eye candy are just surrounding you. And 
and it really was a great thing. And they brought it back again and again in different iterations of it because people were responding with such nostalgia to it. And so uh, if you ever come to LA, you've got to go to Slashback Video. It's, it's 10 bucks and I swear to you, you'll never forget it. It's like do they, have a, do they have a website? Oh, they probably do. Uh, it's actually, they do the installation at a store called the Mystic Museum. So if you look up Mystic Museum, uh, look up their website, they'll have information on it. It's not, it's, Slashback Video isn't its self-standing thing. It's like an installation. And they, and the museum does other exhibits as well, but they keep bringing Slashback Video back. Oh, I wondered if they had like a, a Facebook page or something that um, you could- They absolutely do. They do? Yeah. Okay. And I just looked it up online here. There's videos of it. So go check out the video. I swear you're going to cry. <laughs> I probably would. I love that stuff. It's like, I love it. It's amazing. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're stuck in the, we're stuck back there. That's why we're doing this podcast because we, we miss it. You know, well, Anthony, since you're an eighties kid like us, so what was your TV viewing like back then? What, what was your shows? Oh my gosh. You know, I loved, well, shows from the seventies and 80s, like I watched all of the popular stuff you know, like Facts of Life, One Day at a Time. <laughs> I loved All in the Family, even as a young kid, I loved All in the Family. A lot of people my age were like, that's an old, like an old person show. I, I don't know, I loved All in the Family. The Bionic Man, the Bionic Woman, oh, the Fembots yeah. drove me okay. crazy. The fem Whenever the Fembots were there, that's it. I just was like scared out of my mind. You're, you're in good company talking about that. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, we weren't sure exactly how old you were. So like we were thinking you're a lot younger than us, so. Um, Oh, yeah. no, I'm older than you guys, for sure. You're older than us? You're older than us? I don't know. I, I would bet you. <laughs> okay, what, what year did you, okay, here's a nice way of putting it. What year did you graduate high school? Uh, I graduated in 87. Oh, I graduated in 86. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, so with you're us. Just, okay, yeah, okay, okay. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, actually, now we know. Okay. So, um, yeah, no, you're right with us. Like you're, you're behind us. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, we, I, cause you know, bionic woman, bionic man, that's just that late seventies. So, you know, we thought you were a baby. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, right. that's my favorite show. <laughs> Six million dollar man. Is, yeah. <laughs> is that your favorite so, show? Patrick? Oh man. Maskatron, Bionic Bigfoot. That, that show was so cool. That, that was yeah. Patrick's name on the, um, we met on an eighties message board called the, um, the, Re the fast rewind. That's how we know each other. Okay. See, we've, we've never met in real life, but we've been friends for 15 years. And he was the bionic Bigfoot and I was Isis from the TV show, The Secrets of Isis. Um, <laughs> and so that's how we know each other. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually have met Joanna Cameron that played Isis. She's a good friend of mine. And Patrick does the Lake Charles Film Festival and has had a lot of the people from the show Shazam that was the um, crossover like show between Isis come to his uh, film festival. So it's, and he had actually met Joanna Cameron before I got to. So that's how we all, we connected through all this stuff. But yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Anthony, were you a, a fan of all those filmation, live action Saturday morning shows? Yeah, I used to watch all that stuff. Yeah, and Crawl. I used to, yeah, and anything, like I was Saturday morning was like, you know, it's, it's not like that anymore. You know, no. like, I mean, I haven't seen, I mean, Saturday morning cartoons and all that stuff. I just is immersed in all of that stuff. So anything yeah, like that was Land on Saturday, I may not remember all of it, but Thundar, the barbarian. Thundar. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, Thundar. Um, um, yeah. And Sigmund and the sea monsters. 
Remember yeah, those? Oh my God, I haven't thought of them in forever. <laughs> yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. Remember Jabber Jaws? Jabber yes, Jaws. we're going to yeah. talk about, we're going to do a show all about Saturday morning TV coming up. Oh, oh I can't wait to over. hear it. Yeah, and, and then the, we're going to do one on the cartoons and then one on the live action stuff. Oh, um, so cool. Yeah. So, yeah, the cartoons and stuff. They, he, um, Patrick knows people that are, do the Archie comic stuff, and like Josie and the Pussycats. You yep. know that 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 stuff. They, these yep. cartoons are so lame now, you know, compared to like you know back then. There was so much the Flintstones, the Jetsons, you know, Scooby-Doo. all that stuff. Yeah, Hong yeah. Kong Fooey. Remember, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we love him. I like yeah. I liked uh, Flash Gordon cartoon. That was awesome. The artwork. Oh yeah. Tarzan, Long Ranger, Zaru. Yeah. The Wonder Twins. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh oh yeah they, I, I, yes there's so many scooby-doo and all that stuff was was so big back then like yeah saturday morning tv we're going to talk about that and like what kind of cereal did you eat while you were watching cartoons right. <laughs> like, you know yeah they don't they don't make it anymore it's just so it's sad it's really sad yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. i miss underoos too <laughs> Underoos. I had my pairs of underoos. Spider-Man. Oh yeah, Spider-Man. Uh, was Superman. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah I wanted. I wanted Wonder Woman, but I got Scooby Doo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Poor know. baby. <laughs> yeah, I know it's traumatic. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but yeah. as far as you know, TV shows. One one thing that people don't really talk about in terms of like '80s programming were the David Copperfield magic specials that came out. I guess they came out every year. I mean, the guy has won numerous Emmys. I'll tell you about the magic and the free of soul, but it's like trying to tell a stranger about a rock and roll. Believe in magic. For those shows, people don't know that, and um, they were wildly successful. And so those were those were shows that I were I was literally addicted to, and. Um, I, I could recount every special, probably every trick and every special. To, they back were on to at back. night. They were at night, nighttime shows, right? Yeah, and they would build them up, and they would, you know, uh, you know, destroy ratings. They would just, they everybody would tune in, and so that was also my sort of my gateway into magic because he was so inspiring as a magician. You know, I think up until then there was like Doug Henning. Remember Doug Henning? I love Doug Henning. That guy was a yeah. Weird. You know, but he, yeah. Doug was like, uh, you know, that hippie magician and, right. you know, but, but David brought like a theatrical spin to magic. He brought theater, he brought coolness. He brought, you know, um, you know, he was like hot, you know, like, yeah, he like was, girls he was. would go crazy yeah. over him. And, yeah, and yeah. so it was a new way of presenting magic. And so I lived for that. And he vanished yeah, he was kinda, the Statue of He was of like kind of like a sexy magician, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. it was like uh, rock concerts, you know. Didn't he do want the space shuttle make it disappear? He made an airplane disappear. Oh, okay, airplane. For some reason I was thinking. Now check this out. So here's what he did. He took an airplane, a real full-size airplane, had a ring of people surrounding it, blindfolded, so they can't see the trick. They're all holding hands. So there's an airplane surrounded by a ring of people holding hands. They put up a little sheet, you know, a little, a big sheet in front of it, and then they drop it, and the plane is gone, and everyone takes off their masks, and they're like, where's the freaking plane? I mean, it was like, 
like do you, do you know like how that. he did it do you do you know how he did that all that yeah stuff? Uh, yeah as a magician you know over the years you figure things out and magicians the way we learn is we we talk with each other and we reveal secrets and if you are a magician you know like that's how you learn and you you buy books um and you and you know so copperfield probably i'm certain he hasn't gone around and told other magicians how it's done, but you can figure it out. And there's, and so yeah, to answer your question, yes. But back then I was, no, I was a teenager. I'm like, how do you make the Statue of Liberty disappear? <laughs> like, you no. know, like, Are you like, gonna what? tell us? Are you gonna tell us or are we gonna never know? Oh, I think Copperfield would hunt me down. And he would? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> he'd make you, he would make you disappear? Are you afraid? Yeah, I would be just, I would <laughs> vanish in a puff of smoke and no one would ever never know hear from you again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys watch okay. those specials? Did you guys like those specials? I, I do remember I them. Like he had fire and uh, you know all kinds of like you know illusions. You know. Oh and, yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, is it. Chris Angel. That's the big, the popular one now. That's in Vegas. Like that. Isn't he kind of like the, the of our t this time period? What what David Copperfield kind of was. Yeah, but can I just be honest about Chris Angel? I mean, I I saw You're his show once in Vegas. I went to Vegas once. Just I flew in to just go magic show hopping. So I saw Copperfield, Penn and Teller, Chris Angel, and a couple of other magic shows. Um, Chris's was the most disappointing to me, and he's been caught by magicians by doing camera tricks that are unfair. Oh. Like you'll say, we're not doing any trick photography, and yet they completely are. And so in the magic community, he's not very celebrated because he's, okay. you know, it's not, he's not really doing magic any favors by, by lying it's like Kind of like cheating. Well, is David yeah, Copperfield still performing in like Vegas and stuff? Is he still Yes. Oh my he gosh. Does? I saw his show twice in one week. Um, and he's, he's there and he's at the MGM theater and he does, I'm going to tell you a number. You guys aren't going to believe this. He does like 500 or like 600 shows a year. <laughs> um, some of them are three night, three shows in a row. And it's like, why he's one of the most richest people in the world. That's a fact. He owns an Island. Um, Man. Yeah, if we're doing magic tricks, so he doesn't need to be doing that, but he loves it so much. Um, I'd highly recommend going to see a show if you ever go to Vegas when the world opens back up. Yeah, did you, you've met him? A couple times, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, he's a really nice person. We share the same birthday, which I remember like that's going, weird. oh my God, that's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. As a teenager realizing that, I'm like, oh, he's awesome. You know, he's, that you is, know. That is, that is awesome, yeah. <laughs> But you you did um, you did some kind of magic thing for Penn and Teller too, right? Yes. Oh gosh, you hit on something that it's one of my proudest moments of my life. I mean, I'm okay. a close-up magician, so you know I don't do big stage illusions and stuff. I mean, I've I've done a few here and there when I was younger, but I'm a close-up magician, so I'm used to audiences of up to 20, 30, you know. Um, and so Penn and Teller, they have a show called Fool Us. And are you guys familiar with Fool Us? I've seen a couple of episodes. Okay. Um, magicians, you know, the Penn and Teller had an idea to create a show of magic not, not featuring them. They were like, there's all these great magicians in the world. Well, nobody would pick up the show because they're like, well, it's just kind of like a variety show. So I think it was Teller that said, well, we'll just try to guess how the tricks are done. And then it got picked up. And so they don't really care. You know, if it like the, when I went and flew out to do the show, the executive producer said, we don't really care if you fool them or not. We just want to do a great magic show. So go out there and do your best. Um, so I didn't fool them. The trick that I did, you know, didn't fool me. They guessed how it was done, but 
it, that didn't matter. What mattered was that I that I was able to do magic for millions of people that I would otherwise so you know, cool. be unable to so, do magic so you're, for. So you're on a you're on a show like we could look it up and see see you doing that. Yeah, I'm on season three. I'm the last episode of season three, and I had this little assistant that I work with in my show named Pickle, <laughs> and he's a little plastic alien, and he's become a really big part of my him. show. I saw him on your show. Yeah, that's right. You came to I my did. show. That's I, right. I did. I loved it. I, I couldn't believe how awesome you were. I, I just I don't know how you did any of that stuff. I was flinging cards left and right over my back. And and then when when it came together and I had the two uh, hearts, you know, the red hearts, I'm like, I don't know what just happened. You know, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, I because I didn't know what you sent in the mail. So I was like, when we opened it and it was these cards, I don't know how you did that. Like I kept shuffling them and shuffling them. And I, I mean, it's like, an yeah, it was, it was awesome. I, I loved it. I, I, I just, I'm so I was, glad to hear that. I'm I so glad it. to hear that. Yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> I'm so glad you invited me to that because you know, I, I, I do love magic. It's, it's, you know, it, I will never be able to figure it out. Never. So, I mean, you, I know you said you could, you could figure out David, David Copperfield, but I couldn't, you know, so. Well, that's, that's great. You know, and it's like, I don't know how you, I it. don't know how you floated that. What is his name? Pickle? Pickle. The alien? Pickle? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you floated him around. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> we're like, where's, is there a string? You know, like, we're like, yeah, there's a string. And then you did the thing and then like, the, and put the hoop, loop through him and the, the hoop or whatever. They couldn't, couldn't figure it out. So you know, I don't want to so. know how any of the tricks are done because that would ruin it for yeah. them. I just want to go and, and be amazed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, you know, and I agree with you guys and magicians were very scared for a while because remember the masked magician? Yes. So yeah, he was on, I think it was Fox. I, I, I don't know, but like he was exposing major magic tricks and I had friends like this was back in the eighties oh. and nineties. And, and I had friends that did magic and, and there he is, you know, this, his name is Valentino. They figured out who he was and he's kind of been blackballed in, you know, the magic community. And it's like, he took millions of dollars to expose all these tricks. And then YouTube came around and like, you've got 11 year old kids that are sharing tricks and, you know, and so magicians were like, well, that's it. We're in the age of information. Everyone's going to look it up. But what happened was kind of the opposite, which we're thrilled at is first of all, people aren't going to take the time <laughs> to, to look up every single magic trick. And another thing is they don't really know what they're looking for when they go online to, to look up a trick. It's like, okay, you see this magician do this amazing trick. Well, how do you find out what it is? What do you look up? You really aren't sure what to look up. Um, and also great magicians will keep, will stay a, you know, a step ahead of you and they will, they will keep you guessing. So it's almost like it made us more clever, made us more innovative. And so I think magic is probably in its strongest era right now, which is very strange in an information, easy access, you know, information age. Yeah. That, well, that's, that, yeah, I don't really want to know either. I mean, it does ruin it. And, and yeah. that's the whole fun. That's all the, that's the whole fun. Um, um, what about, what was the name? What was the, uh, Blaine? What was, what was his name? The, David, David Blaine. Blaine. Yeah. You like him? Yeah. I remember when his specials came out and uh, the over the shoulder kind of camera angle that he was sort of exploiting, watching people's reactions. I remember thinking that's what I see when I do magic. I used to do magic at colleges. That was my big thing. I'd go up and down the East coast doing magic for all these colleges. That was my bread and butter. And, you know, I would always say like, wow, I wish I could have a camera over my shoulder because, you know, people are enjoying the magic that I'm doing, but what I'm enjoying is the reactions and the look of astonishment and, and all of that. And so David was capturing that on his specials. And I remember thinking, wow, that's something I hadn't 
seen before. Copperfield wasn't doing that. Doug Henning hadn't done that. A bunch of other magicians. They were. It was all about watching the magician. Where David was like watching the reactions in addition to the magic. But I thought that was a stroke of genius. Um, and he also does those endurance tests where he'll, you know he'll like oh. put himself in a box for thirty days. You oh, know, yeah. and so he, but, he like brought Houdini, that back like as well. He, like Houdini, yeah. Yeah, Houdini did a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and so David brought that back, which was new. You know, it was fresh and exciting. And he failed sometimes and, and he succeeded mostly, but it was the it was the will he make it, will he endure, that kind of thing. So it brought back a new kind of magic when he brought his specials to us. Yeah, that's cool. Did you ever watch um the movie with about Houdini with the Tony Curtis and Janet Lee? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen it. it in a long time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a there's a scene in it. It takes place at Halloween, and it's all decorated for Halloween, like a big like, um, oh, yeah. like ball or something that they're at. And I just remember I thought the decorations were awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just I throw like Halloween into anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I look at like really weird things, like in visiting hours. I I um loved her closet. Did, like I don't know if you even remember it. She had this door that you opened, and the closet revolved, and it come out, and all the clothes were on this revolving door. Yeah, like thing. actually, I do remember that. Yeah, and yeah. you were like, and I'm wow, like, that's an amazing closet. I love that closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why don't they make this? Where, where'd you get that? You know, it's like, I mean, for the '80s, like, who hasn't had a closet that looked like that? You know, right? <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was like, um, it reminded me of like, um. Uh, you know the Batgirl's closet, like her dressing room, and in, in, in like Batman, you know, it's right? Like, you know, yeah, like how the how the had the door spun around, you know, and yeah. it's like, yeah, I like that. I don't know. I I watch I I like weird things, and you know, <laughs> so. But uh, anyway, yeah. Um, the thing in, uh, with David Blaine was that I I like that was when he would try he would show people he was floating, like lift himself up off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Did that. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? And he, he was like in the middle of the street and then he floats and the yeah. people like lost their, I mean, they lost their minds. It's yeah. like, they're like, oh, and he goes up to strangers and he's like, hey, you know, he's got that low, but like, you guys want to see a trick, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. that mysterious, you know, like, and then yeah. he floats and people yeah. are like, what the heck? It's, you know, yeah. it's like, it just yeah. takes you completely off guard. And I think that's what, you know, he started the street magic craze. Like, Magicians now, there's a subculture of street magicians and they, you know, like LA, New York. Um, I did street magic for maybe a couple of weeks when I was a lot younger in New York. Um, and, you know, you just walk up to people on the street and you're kind of like a street performer, um, but you're not hustling. You're not, you know, you're not ripping people off. I mean, there's a lot of those people that do like the three shell game and watch the watch where the pea goes underneath the walnut shells yeah. and all that. And, and they rip you off. The whole point of it is to just rip you off. Um, but street magicians would just like gather a ring of people and do some magic. Um, so I think David sort of inspired that entire movement, which is, you know, that's a big credit. You know, if you go into Vegas, you'll run into five or six magicians on the street just doing make magic for you because they're that's how they do their magic. So, yeah. That's cool. You said you worked with um, Mustafa. What's it, how do you say his name? Mustafa Kid. Like <laughs> how to say his name? I don't know He's how the to pronounce producer it. Producer of the Halloween. Yes, movie. I know who he is, but I can't yeah. say it. Yeah, it's um, actually pronounced. It's pronounced Mustafa Akkad. That's Mustafa. Okay. Yeah. Akkad. Yeah. A lot of people and, say Mustafa, I, but it's Mustafa. Mustafa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Mufasa. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but I know exactly who he is, and um, and you worked on the Halloween. Um, the the like you and you you've made the 25 years of halloween 
Yeah, so what happened was I was, uh, I'm going to be very like short because it's a long story, but I'll give you like the bottom, like the bullet point. I used to run a, a fan site in the 90s called the Myers Museum. And I wanted to learn HTML programming because the like internet was just like booming and just starting. So when you build a website, you have to have content. And so I had a Halloween movie poster collection. So I collected all kinds of Halloween posters from around the world. So I started taking pictures of them and that was my content. So I built a website called the Myers Museum and it was like a, a gathering place to, to showcase my collection. Well, it started to draw a lot of viewers. Um, it, people found me, I didn't know how to promote my site or anything. So I ended up with legions of people watching or coming to my website and it grew. I, it was an obsession. I, I worked on it every day. Um, it, I just could not stop building this website and it built this huge community. Well, when the webmasters of Halloween movies, which is the official website for Halloween, stepped down, they knew about my site and they recommended me. So I came to, to take over the webmaster position. So I came home from work and I had this message from the office um, from a woman named Christy, who was their office manager at the time. And she said, hey, Anthony, you know, you came highly recommended. We'd like to know if you could run the official website for us. Give me a call. Bye. And she hung up and like I about died because I was like, are you kidding me? This is like, like, this is the, this is the official Halloween. Like I was a fan. Like I had nothing to do with Halloween in any professional way. Um, so a couple of days later, I was driving up to Century City where their office is. And I met Mustafa, oh, Mustafa and I met his, their son Malik. And they hired me on the spot to run the site. And for six, I'm sorry, seven years, I ran the website. And I was at the office a lot. Um, I mean, I, and during that time, I had produced a convention called Halloween Returns to Haddonfield, which was the very first like, like themed convention just for Halloween. It was all the Halloween movies and producers, writers, and actors all got together. Um, and I produced the event with my friend Paul, uh, who has since passed away uh, this year. Um, but it was just the time of my life. And so while I was working for Trankus Films, that's the company, uh, I was producing a documentary called Halloween 25 Years of Terror, where we told the story of the success of Halloween. And so that's what opened the doorway for me for my professional career as a producer. And then we moved on from Halloween and I did Friday the 13th and Scream and a couple of others. So, so that's the, the trajectory for me, but it, was, it was, wasn't by accident, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of happy accidents in it, <laughs> um, but so fun. I'm so fortunate. I'm so grateful. Oh, that's cool, man. What do you think of the new Halloween? <laughs> uh, I, you know, um, I'm not a huge fan of it. And I have a couple of reasons. I mean, I, I like, there are things I like about it. I think, I think it had problems with a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never publicly stated this. Um, okay. But yeah, I just, I feel like the general conceit of the movie is that Laurie Strode for 40 years has been, you know, sort of traumatized by what happened to her mm -hmm. on Halloween in seven, in, uh, was it 78? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so she spends 40 years and, but they removed the brother sister angle, which I liked. But yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I always felt it was what, what rendered the series entirely problematic. It was like, well, now that they're brother and sister, you know, it's like, he's not just this crazy guy anymore. He's like motivated. So, but so they took that away and I thought, awesome. But it was 40 years ago, not many people died. Um, she seemed to be too traumatized and I don't want to diminish, you know, a person's trauma. And, you know, obviously I've, I'm not traumatized like that, but it just felt like she was really in a bad place 40 years later. 
And yeah. it just felt like too much of a bit, too big of a pill to swallow for me. That yeah. was my general problem with the movie. How about you guys? I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I and I know exactly. I I didn't. I I know exactly what you're saying. Like she's got this like on a compound and like lives in this like it's. She's all like got these um these like tr you know like um trap uh like booby traps. Yeah, she's booby trap you know, like, house. <laughs> yeah, and and she's like not leaving, and it's like yeah, it's like now it's like you'd think like people like, probably would be doing that because of COVID, you know. But it's like <laughs> you know, but like she yeah, it's like but she somewhere had got had a relationship with somebody to get children but like i just watched halloween four the other night and that's where danielle harris was like her daughter you know in that movie and i yeah. and, and i kept thinking she was should have been was her younger sister or something but because she, she really shouldn't have been that movie come out in 88 and so she would have been 28 and what was danielle harris like eight years old like that would have mean yeah. that, that um that Lori had her when she was like 20 years old you know <laughs> right so i mean she just like and then and then um i mean yeah because because i guess you have to like put all that out of your head and like forget any of the other stuff happened but um but they they in part in the new one that i just it kind of like didn't like new movies once i see them they kind of disappear out of my head like almost instantly like i don't like like want to watch them over and over and over again but i just remember there was a scene in the new one where um mm -hmm. i thought they they were, i thought they were gonna kill a baby well they did they did kill like an 11 year old boy like i think he was a, that at the, at the very very beginning of the first halloween um and i thought that's no that's like that's too young you know what i mean like when they start killing like yeah. if it's kids killing other kids you know like if it's like children of the corn and the kids are killing the kids but when the adult kills the kid i don't that just to me is like crossing a line or something yeah you don't kill a little boy you know like a little kid yeah. yeah and then um and then they had a character that was almost like a carbon copy of donald pleasant's character of dr loomis and then they yeah. had this and he but he was a mess you know like i mean and then he wasn't he a bad guy or something too like i forgot yeah I you get the you get the feeling that they were trying to create that loomis vibe because donald pleasance is no longer with us so they create this doctor but then they give him these you know these ulterior motives and you sort of find out he's he's kind of like a bad doctor and yeah. it just kind of went off the rails it didn't feel like Haddonfield to me you know it, it mm -hmm. just didn't they didn't show the Myers house at all once in the in the movie um and there was just a lot of it was just a it, I, and there were a lot of things I really didn't like about it however yeah. you know there were a couple things I did like there's a couple of shots I liked um but you know the ending you know too I, I, about you know like she's she's all right. So another thing is you've got forty years to plan, and there's this idea of destiny, and like Michael will come back, and you know the boogeyman is eternal and ubiquitous, and like he will come and get you. So she's had forty years to plan, and the house goes up in flames, and you feel like yeah. that was your plan in forty years was to burn your house down. <laughs> like it's like yeah. I don't have a house to live in. So it's like yeah. it just felt like it went off the rails. It it just didn't. Yeah. It, it, and the one thing that I think the biggest thing about it was Halloween in 78, what a tiny little story. You know, it was like this little tiny story in the middle of, you know, America. Yeah. Um, it didn't explode. It didn't get big. And then this movie was so big and over the top and melodramatic that it just didn't even feel like a Halloween movie to me. Yeah. So I hear Halloween Kills, the next movie is supposed to be really good. So... Did they I'm already complete it. filming it? Is it done? Yeah, they're done. I think they're done filming. Yep.
Okay. Well, they, they won't release it though. I'm sure, you know, because nobody can go out to the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Next next Halloween. Yeah. I saw it in a, in the theater. I went, we went and stayed at this place. They had like an old, like historic theater. Cause, and we walked down from the, 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 um, place that we were staying at at night in the dark and i thought that was kind of cool because it like you know it's fall and 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 just watching it in an old theater you know like it it, it was nostalgic and i actually saw the original halloween uh, i think it was the 35th uh um reunion of it i went to the theater when they released it at the theaters and just watching it and i had like you know pumpkin earrings on with the glowed in the dark and i know i was all excited you know but like there wasn't that many people there and i thought it should be should have been packed you know with people but yeah um you know they did release it for the 40th anniversary near well well where i live and they said they had a good turnout for it but i would love to see it at a drive-in you know, like it would be oh, awesome yeah. to see see like that on that that big of a screen. You know, and my my first house I had before the house I have now is the bed and breakfast. It looked exactly like the Myers house, except one window was different in the front. But the but my first house looks like it could have been the Myers house in the in the first Halloween. Wow, that's incredible. And then oh, yeah, cool. I should show you a picture. It's like yeah, yeah. But did you I want to see that. See that there's a um. There's a guy in North Carolina that that reconstructed and made the house, and you can tour it. Oh yeah, I know about that. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, I don't know if you ever went there because I've never been. No. Yeah, because uh, yeah, he just he did it like recreated the whole house. But you know what I think is cool? Like when I I've watched stuff on the making of the Halloween movie is that they filmed the whole movie first with the house like all dilapidated, and then the end, the the beginning of the movie, they filmed afterwards and fixed it up you know, and painted right. it and then fixed it up to look like, um, you know, that was the beginning of the movie, you yeah. know? Do you, I don't know if you know that. Or I do, yeah. Sure I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, it's weird. Like, if you, if you guys ever come to LA, um, I will take you to all those locations. It's, I used to call it like the Haddonfield, you know, trip. And there's all kinds of, like, there's Halloween. Halloween 2 was filmed near there. The Fog. Yeah. Um, I'll drive you guys to all the locations. The cemetery. And it's so cool to actually be standing there um, you know, actually where it was filmed because you feel like, wow, I'm standing right here. And this is where it, it, it happened. Yeah. It was filmed in the summertime, wasn't it? Because, and it was in California. So like they had all these bags of leaves that they went around and threw them around in places. And the, then the crew would go pick them up and pick all the leaves up and then <laughs> yeah. to try and save them because it, they wanted it to look like it was, it was fall. <laughs> You know, I yep. don't know if you know that. And yeah, I, I think they, yeah, because they had to create that fall feeling and they had no budget. And so somebody had like a bag of leaves. And it was like, yeah. we're just going to use the same leaves. Yeah. <laughs> over yeah. and over. I know. And then they had to like, um, like watch because there's like palm trees in the background and stuff. And so they, because they, it's supposed to be filmed in New Jersey. So you can't have palm trees. And, um, and so they had to be careful of like the neighborhoods and stuff that they filmed in. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I, see, I, I love it too. And it's like they, and, and like John Carpenter, like he did the music to it. And then The Fog, the, the movie The Fog, like yep. came out like right after that. Do you, do you like The Fog? I do. I love The Fog. It's, and, it's um, you know, it's like I, John Carpenter will, I've heard him say like, well, it just wasn't scary. So they went back and did reshoots and everything. Um, I think if he had a little more time with it, it would have been, look, it's a classic and I love it. I, I wouldn't change a frame of it, but I, I think over time I've seen what he's saying, I've accepted what he's saying, like it just could have 
been like a step better, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. yeah. I, did you ever go, uh, the lighthouse is out there in California. Yeah, I've never been to the lighthouse, no. No, yeah. A friend of mine has a picture of it framed in her house, that actual oh, lighthouse cool. from the fog, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I watch it every year around this time too, but that's when, where he met, that's where he met Adrian Barbeau. You know, oh, right? Had, yeah, yeah, that's right. Making the fog and he dumped Deborah Hill. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Deborah. <laughs> I know. I know. That's like sad. But um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, li I like the whole um, like the radio station in the lighthouse thing. That's yeah. cool. And I like her. Her name's Stevie Wayne. I, 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 I'm, I'm weird about just like names of people. And, and, and John Carpenter <laughs> used real life uh, people's names in his movies. Yes. You know that? Like Tommy Wallace is based on a real person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think even Sam Loomis was. Oh, and Michael Myers of all. And Nick, people. Nick Castle. Was... Nick Castle yeah. um, is um, Tom Atkins. I think in the Fog. I think that's his name. Is Nick Castle. Right. <laughs> Isn't it? And that's it that's is. who played that. Nick Castle is who is the original Michael Myers. Right. Exactly. It's all all related. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a rich tapestry. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I I love that. I think that's really cool. I yeah. was watching Night of the Creeps uh, yesterday, maybe. And, oh, uh, cool. Yeah, there's like five or six of names of the character. Like you got Cronenberg, you've got Raimi. You, you know, they use all these horror directors' uh, names for the characters. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's the old Fred Decker. Yeah, correct. Directed. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, Patrick's doing the 31 Days of um, Horror. I do that all the time anyway, without, you know, um, he thought it would be a hard commitment uh, to do, but I, I do it like any, I sometimes watch two horror movies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the month of October. <laughs> so, you know, I'd be committed, but, you know, I, I should be committed instead of committing to that. But yeah, because it's just like, that's my favorite. This, this is my favorite time of year. And yeah, me too. Yeah, I, know, I know, Anthony, we have, I, I think like we could be best friends in real life because like you, I love like all your, your, you like to cook and you love horror, you know, it's like, that's so up my alley, all that stuff. Patrick likes to cook too. Yep. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you, you're, you are, you have a multi-talent, you're multi-talented person. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, not everybody that, you know, um, you know, I mean, just even the magic stuff is um really you know incredible like that you've been doing it since you were a kid Do you yeah i mean I, I that's all i wanted to be was david copperfield when i was a kid that's all i wanted i just i'm going to be like the new magician well then you know i got older and then i i did when i left college i performed at universities for a couple years and then i literally i was on stage one night i was doing a show at a college and i was I was done with it. I remember thinking, okay, I think this has run its course. In my head, I went, I'm done, I'm done with magic. And that was a really weird moment for me because that's all I ever wanted to do. You know, I didn't want to produce or I didn't know what that was, you know, when right. I was younger. So I moved out to LA and I gave up magic for 12 years. And it was during that time where I did all my producing stuff. And then what happens is every couple of years people my friends would say you always say you're a magician but we've never see you, seen you do any magic um because i'd given it up so every couple of years i'd take out a deck of cards and i would do something whatever well the last time it happened i kind of got the bug for it again 
And then I went and auditioned at a, there's a place called the Magic Castle out here, which is like the worldwide clubhouse for magicians. Um, it's an iconic place. Um, and they have open auditions for magicians that want to join. And I went and auditioned and they accepted me. And then boom, I was a magician again. So, so I had to fit it in uh, sort of around what I was doing. But it was the best thing that could have happened because I think creative people, like they're creative in different ways. And so, so for me, it was just a great thing. And it wasn't theater. It wasn't like film. So like when I go to the Magic Castle and do magic, like all my you know, theater friends weren't there. Magicians were there. And so, so, um, so it was a good thing for me. I loved it. I still well, love um, it. Your, your show that you did, it was connected in with a, a, a wine, a winery, right? Like you. Yeah, it's called Wine and Tricks. So anybody listening, if you want to get a ticket, yeah. <laughs> go to wineandtricks.com. Um, yeah, it's basically, I used to do a show for four years at the Vampire Lounge, which was in um, Beverly Hills. And they had, there's a little winery and the Vampire brand is a serious brand. It's a real brand. They've been around for a long time and they have a little tasting lounge and they used to, it's closed now, but I, I worked out a deal with them where my customers would come in and they would have to do a wine tasting. They would sample up five or six of their wines. And, and then after that, they would go upstairs to the loft and then I would do like a 45 minute magic show. So I did this every weekend for four years and we were sold out for four years. It was awesome. Well, the, the lounge closed and when the pandemic hit, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to bring it back so people could drink wine in their homes and tune in and see a virtual magic show. And I, I was able to translate the show from an in-person format to a virtual format and was able to add things I couldn't before. And so, it, so that's it. So basically you buy a package and we have non-wine tricks as well. I mean, you don't have to drink wine. You can drink whatever you want, but you know, you get sent three bottles of wine and some other goodies. You tune in, you watch me do magic, and it's sort of like a night out at home. So that was the idea. And it's been working out really well. It's really I fun. I don't, get, I, I don't have to have to leave the house. You know, I do, yeah. the, I do my magic. I, am, I have a top floor in my house that's a studio now. It's where I'm sitting right now. It looks like a TV studio. If you were here right now, you'd see, like, monitors and stuff. It's like... Um, but yeah, that's what it is. Uh, sorry to do a big commercial for the show, but you know. No, I, um, I wanted I wanted to know how you got that wine because I I was wanting to order some for my, oh. <laughs> my own Halloween thing I'm doing. And yeah, just so, go to their website. It's it's just vampire.com, and then you vampire, can you know they okay. they're huge. I mean they 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 make wine, they make all kinds of specialty goods and stuff like that. Just really really great wine. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I wanted. I was uh, trying to get get you to. Uh, give me that information, <laughs> you know, so, oh. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't know, like, when I, we were doing it, when, when you had told me, like, that I could come watch it, that you, that it was part of that, like, until I got the, the link, and it said about the wine and tricks thing, so I'm like, I don't have any wine, but, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, um, I, I would like to, I mean, I don't even drink, but, um, yeah, I would, I want, I think it's sorry, just such sorry, a cool... are you basically saying that I've gotten you to start drinking? No, I'm, I'm, no I'm gonna just buy it just so I can look at the label, like, stick it oh. out for decoration. No, my friends will probably drink the wine, but, um, I just thought it'd be cool for a Halloween party to get some, you know, and, and I know, like, Adrian King, you know, has, does her, her wine, yeah. you know, too, yep. and so I didn't know if, like, uh, um, 
you were, but it's like the same kind of thing. The labels are so cool, you know? It's yeah, like, and you know, with Adrian, like with Adrian, she'll autograph every bottle. So I have yeah. a dozen bottles that are all autographed from her. Yeah, she's I like, have them too. She's like, hi, Tony. Like she calls me Tony. It depends on how long you've known me. Like people who've known me for years call me Tony. People I don't know that long call me Anthony. So it's like, when someone calls me Tony, I'm like, oh yeah, I've known you for a long, it's it's weird. I don't know how my name changed. Well, we can call or... you Tony and pretend like we've known you for, since we were, when, you know, both. we grew up in the 70s and 80s. Together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I just want to say, I don't know how far it, you know, the, but our, we have a code word every, um, every episode, we give away a prize and our code word is magic for this episode. Um, because of you, you know, and it's like, okay. you know, <laughs> and, uh, and you can win a copy of his name was Jason, you know, which is all about the Friday 13th movie. So like our, our listeners, if they get the code word and hopefully that, you know, we can post it on your, your, your Facebook page and to, you know, so that your, your fans, your people that know you will come listen and then they sure. can win, um, a copy of um, one of your DVDs. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anthony, what's your next project going to be? My next project, I actually have two that I'm very excited about. You know, in this quarantine like uh, time, um, you know, Hollywood is kind of shut down. I mean, there's, you know, productions going on here and there, but it came to a screeching halt. So what we're primarily doing is developing, right? We're figuring out what we're going to do next year, you know, when everything opens back up and everything. Well, fortunately for me, I had just wrapped on a production right before the country kind of got shut down. Um, so I'm doing, you know, my thing is primarily retrospectives for horror franchises. So my latest one is for the Paranormal Activity series, and it's called Unknown Dimension, the Story of Paranormal Activity. And um, we did interviews with, I don't know if you guys know, but there's six Paranormal Activity movies. Um, wow. They are the most successful franchise in the world. I know people don't know that and that they have made so much money. Um, I mean, outside of like, I think it's the most successful horror franchise. Um, it is, it, it's a mind boggling how this $15,000 movie, the first movie was $15,000. It made $190 million. So when you have that kind of success, there's going to be movie after movie after movie. So we interviewed everyone from all the movies um, and then the country shut down. So right now we're working with Paramount. It's a co-production with Paramount Pictures and we're going to be releasing it with them. And it's very exciting. Cause I mean, the movies are, I don't know if you're a fan of the movies or not, but I've become a huge fan of the paranormal activity movies. Um, I've so seen that's, that's, a bunch of them. I, I I would go see them at the movie theater with my son. And when they, the first one came out, I remember my mom seeing it and she thought it was real. She thought it right. was, she thought it was a real movie. Like that it was done on somebody's video camera, like, like the Blair Witch, you know, stuff with somebody, you know, like using their like home, like surveillance camera to ca capture, like, yeah. you know, st stuff. Like she really thought it was for real, you know? Yeah. And I kept, but I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for something really terrifying to happen. And the, I think the buildup of like the anticipation of what could happen and, and if something was going to happen, you know, it's like that was, um, but, you know, in your mind, I think it's more. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Patrick, did you see that? Did if you watch them? I saw the first one. Did you? Yeah. 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 And a lot of people say that <laughs> they go, Oh, I saw the first one. And then yeah. even me, I was like, wait, there's six. Are you kidding me? You know, and what, ha and 
what happened with the series is by the time they got to six, like part six is in 3D, um, they, the budget was, you know, out of control. Um, it's the opposite of what the first movie was. And so the, how they made these movies is fascinating. If you're a filmmaker and just want to get behind, like get the, if you're a behind the scenes kind of person, like how did this happen? The documentary is going to be really enlightening. It's like, how do they make these movies at a studio level? For, I don't know if you guys know, but Oren Pelly, who's the writer, director, producer of the first movie, you know, it was an independent movie. He just hired some actors. They filmed a movie in his house, you know, no studio intervention, whatever. He cut together a truly unnerving, really inspired movie. And then when the studio got a hold of it, you know, it's like, by the, as I said, by the time they get to part six, it's like, it's, it's not what the first movie was. Um, that said, a couple of the installments are really good. Well, now they're making part seven. So they announced part seven. And that was really good for our project because when they make a new movie, and I've been in this position before, when a studio makes a new movie, it justifies the retrospective that my company is working on. So now we, we are tasked with the responsibility of cutting together a documentary that re-engages the fans into the previous movies that have come out and brings them up to speed on what happened in them and all of that, and then sort of looks forward to the new movie. So, so I love doing projects like this, so that's what we're doing. But I'm also working on something really exciting that I haven't had a chance to talk about because of um, just the timing and all that stuff. So I mentioned Silent Night, Deadly Night before. Yeah. And so I now have, my company has the rights to make a remake for Silent Night, Deadly Night. and. I'm very excited about this because I've never been in this position to have a title that is very, you know, it's a classic. Silent Night, Deadly Night's a classic 80s film and it's dying for a remake. It's dying to be brought back into this era. Um, and so the uh, producers or the, the gentlemen that hold the rights to it were very, I'm grateful for them for just wanting to work with me. And so we're putting that in motion and we're gonna try and create, you know, the next version of Silent Night, Deadly Night. So those are my two big projects right now. So that's a, a real movie, like an actual movie. Like, have you done a, a movie, movie? Like, other I, you know, I've co I've co-produced a movie. Um, I've, I mean, I've, I've directed here and there, but I've never made a, a feature film like that before, especially with something with such a big, such a known title. Yeah. Um, but I have a business partner that has, he's made, he always worked at the studios for many years and then he left the studio and made a bunch of independent films and everything. So my, my company has the resources to do it. Um, but you know, awesome. I think at the, at the key, at the heart of it all, like you need to be like, I'm the right person to make, remake this movie because I love eighties horror movies. I understand yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know? Um, and there were other entities from, from my herd that wanted to make this movie that I just, in hearing these guys talk about it, I'm like, yeah, you probably is, you're probably better going with me anyway, <laughs> because I understand the material, um, I think, in a way that is sort of like a fanboy kind of yeah. perspective, well, and I think what? that would be an asset. But that's cool. That's really cool. That's so cool that you're going to do, I mean, Silent Night, Deadly Night, I, they made like, what, five of them, too, or something like that, bunches of them? They did, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the last entries in the franchise were really just Christmas, like, grim Christmas stories that they threw the Silent Night, Deadly Night name onto just so people could rent them. Rent them. So uh, they really don't have anything to do with the storyline. And so, you know, it's just a, it's a movie that's sort of been waiting in the wings to be brought back. And yeah, they, did, 
they, yeah. they did Black Christmas twice, like within the last couple years. They did it. They did two um, yeah. remakes of it. But I still I like the original because it's it's got that whole um, when a stranger calls things going on too, where he's and and he does Billy, you know, and he's like you know doing all that like the yeah he's a menace. Yeah, yeah. starts talking. Uh, uh, yeah, he he starts doing that, and you never know why. You know, and Bob Clark directed Black Christmas, who also did A Christmas Story. And so they're yep. two totally opposite Christmas movies, you know? And it's yeah, like, and they're both brilliant. That's the thing. It's like a talented, talented director. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he was, wasn't he killed in a car wreck with his son? Yeah. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. But I, I love, I love the original. I, I had asked you about that too, if you, um, you you did a um, twelve days of Chris, a Black Christmas, right? A DVD. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you on that. Oh yeah, wow, yeah. that's okay. I, I ask you now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh my god. Yeah, I did yeah. a right after Halloween. Um, I, well, Olivia Hussey is in the movie, and we interviewed her for the Halloween twenty five years of terror documentary. So Olivia Hussey's. I'm sorry. She is she in one of the Halloween movies. No, she, we were talking about Black Christmas in 25 Years of Terror, so we got an interview with her, but oh. we also talked about the movie Black Christmas, so the 15, was it 15 Days of Christmas, whatever that special yeah. was, yeah. is a, just a little bonus feature on the Black Christmas DVD that came out, and it was like an extended interview with her about Black Christmas, so that's what that was, oh. so I think if you go back and look at some of the previous Black Christmas DVD releases, you can find that. It's probably on eBay somewhere. You mean it's its own separate DVD, or it was just uh, like put in? It's a bonus like a special, feature, special on feature on Black, Black Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, and you did that. Yeah, you I knew it. the director of the feature. I think I think there's like lots of bonus content on that, and I knew the director's name's Dan Duffin, and he lived in Canada at the time, so he called me and said, "Hey, can you?" can you, you know, can you go do this for me? And can you, you know, whatever. And so I helped him out. He's a great guy. So that was my involvement in that. Yeah, I love that house in, in Black Christmas. Yeah, beautiful. I, I, yeah, I've seen it on the internet, um, like pictures of it now. Like, you know, like when you, when you see like the difference of what it looks like from back then to now. Yeah. You know, I think it's oh, a private residence. It yeah, yeah. I, th I saw a guy had gone there and he got a tour of the house and stuff. Um, yeah, because it was like a sorority like you know house and it was just it's and he's up there in the attic and that that girl in the rocking chair with the plastic bag over her face yes like, i kept wondering how they i always wonder how they do that <laughs> you know it's like how do they put a plastic bag on somebody's face and like they they don't breathe and you don't see <laughs> breath you know what i mean like right. how, how does that work <laughs> and they don't move and their eyes don't move and how long do they have to go without you know blinking and right. stuff like that it's like <laughs> i think of that stuff too it's like you know how they do that you know it's like, right yeah and that's is it is it a, is it a is it a fake person is it like some dummy that they you know they made like a head to look like the actor you know it's like right how do they do that you know yeah <laughs> but that that is i i don't know patrick have you seen black christmas yeah it's been a long time you should put that on your 31 days of that's a good idea um, you should. It, I love it. I always watch it at Christmas time, though. It's to me, it's more a Christmas movie than a Halloween movie. Me but, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I like to watch movies the same, like it, during the whatever holiday. Like I, I that's what I, you know, I love watching. You know, like scary movies in October, Christmas movies, even though they're and they don't make too many, you know, Christmas scary movies. So. Right. Um, 
Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Black Christmas are the only two that I really can think of. Right, right. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of good Christmas horror out there. Um, it's, it's its own subgenre. Um, and, you know, Silent Night, you know, they basic that was the movie that started it all. And the fact that it was banned, I mean, all these advocacy groups and critics and, you know, like mothers and parents, they just could not get the, their, the idea of Santa running around with an axe, killing people, you know, it was just so politically incorrect. Well, now it's a great chance to bring back a movie that was politically incorrect because we're living in probably the most, you know, sensitive, politically, you know, driven, divisive era ever. And so it's, it's really yeah. a commentary, you know, horror movies throughout the years for me have been commentaries, social commentaries. So if you go back and research horror movies way back to like the universal movies and stuff, um, they comment on the time. Um, and, and so I thought Silent Night, Deadly Night is a perfect movie to bring back that was just rubbed people the wrong way. Um, it also deals with religious um, themes and religion is such a divisive thing nowadays. Um, and so I just can't wait to get my claws into it and make something that will resonate and be great and be, you know, just awesome, you know? And so I think you, in order to do that, you have to understand horror and like the themes of horror and stuff. And so anyway, I'm just really fortunate to be in this position and we're just getting started. So um, we don't have a writer or a director or anything yet, but we will. So, well, <laughs> so I'll keep you guys updated. Yeah. Well, Anthony, we sure do thank you for joining us this week. It's been a lot of fun talking to you about horror movies, about your magic, and about your future plans. We want to get you back on here soon so you can talk to us more. Thank you, guys. It's really yeah. nice spending time with you. I really yeah. appreciate it. I want to thank the audience for joining us this week. And make sure you go to our website, popninja.net, and check us out on Facebook. And also, if you're interested in the prize drawing, make sure you send us a private message on Facebook, giving us the secret code word that Lisa just told you about. Thanks again for listening. And as we sign off, I'm going to leave you with this final thought. Never, 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 never.